the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. John 3.16 proclaims that God came into this world through Jesus, that God sent Jesus, that God gave Jesus to save you and to heal you. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You are most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled Perfection and Acceptance. We'll bring you the first portion of that message here today. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Let's pray. Dear Father God, I'm grateful for Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. We are sheep. He's the lamb, but he's the shepherd king, the lion of Judah. Help us to grow up, to be happy with your pronouncement in our lives, that in Jesus we are accepted as if we had never sinned. And then, Lord, to be fulfilled as we grow toward perfection, because in Jesus, the one who started the work will get it done. Help us to remember that the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ point to the whole truth we need, the gospel, so that we will be and we will be with you for all time. In Jesus' name, amen. Albert Lighton once wrote that where man sees but withered leaves, God sees sweet flowers growing. I like that. I mean, I don't know about you. I've lived in parched ground in my lifetime. I have experienced a difficult, unfertile soil in my life. And yet I have found that the grace of God makes the Easter lily sprout in Jesus every day, every week, because we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Easter means more than just starting the year with the new spring and the like. Easter means Jesus. Friend, your life may be in a state of turmoil, but God is not in a state of turmoil with you or for you. God is not troubled about the outcome of where you are going in Jesus. You may be in a perfect mess this Easter with no way out in sight, but... God is perfect and he has a thousand ways to provide for you of which you know nothing and you cannot see. God is in control of your life. So as Easter comes upon us, remember that Easter is not about a bunny. Easter is about the Lamb of God. I want to focus on the Lamb of God. John 3.16 is one sentence in scripture that can bring chapters and chapters of good life into your life. John 3.16 proclaims that God came into this world through Jesus, that God sent Jesus, that God gave Jesus to save you and to heal you from every harm, every infliction, every disease that sin has brought into your life. 
Friend, God embraced the whole world in Jesus. And you too. You were not left out. And God fixed the mess that stood between us and him in Jesus. We call that reconciliation, atonement. It happened in Jesus. When I think of Jesus, I get passionate. My energy is low. My spiritual energy is high because the good news of the gospel is Jesus. John 3.16, the Magna Carta of the Christian faith, the greatest verse in the Bible. More souls have been saved by that one verse than any other scripture. John 3.16, for God so loved the what? The world. That's you and me too. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, theologians have thought about that word begotten. When was Jesus begotten? The Council of Nicaea 325, arguing over the Hebrew and the Latin and the Greek of Proverbs 8. Some people said, well, he was begotten in the distant ages of time, eternity, and they made it a mystical thing. The Bible is very clear how Jesus was begotten. He was begotten in the resurrection, according to Acts 13, in fulfillment of Psalms 2-7, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Paul went to the synagogue at Antioch, Pisidia, and he declared, I declare to you the good news, the gospel, which was predicted by David, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then he quotes Psalms 2-7, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. God with the oath with an indestructible oath declared in the resurrection that Christ, who had been lost to him in atonement, who had been severed from him at the cross, he said, today you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that oath of an indestructible life that brought Jesus back to never lose Jesus again is what installed Jesus as our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek, according to the book of Hebrews. So this verse here kind of gets at that. God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Christ came to life in the resurrection as the proof that in Jesus we all will and can live. Friend, in Jesus, God gave us God. In Jesus, God loved us as he loved God, his own son. In Jesus, God answered the most important question ever asked. Here it is. Because the devil asked that question. He took a third of the angels out of heaven by asking this question. Can God love? Can God give? Can an infinite being deprive himself? Of course, he was insinuating, no, he can't. At the cross, we get the answer. Yes, he can. In Jesus, God broke the bank account of heaven when he gave. God wiped out his assets at the cross to give. God emptied heaven's treasury to love and give Jesus the Lamb. Friend, you may doubt you're worth loving. You know, some people say, well, yeah, you may doubt you're worth loving. You may say, I look at my life, I look at the relationships I have, I look at my success ratios, and I don't see why I matter. You may feel that way. You may feel that you aren't worth enough for anyone to give anything to you or for you. You may be at the end of your energy, and there's nothing left in you to fix anything or to direct your life, or have a life at all. That may be where you are at this season, this spring season. You know, I'm grateful that Jesus didn't come to give us good advice. He came to give us the gospel of God, which is the gospel concerning God's Son himself. The good news of who Jesus is, of what God does for us in Jesus. Friend, if love does not change us, nothing will. 
The gospel brings the love of God into our life. For God so loved the world that he gave. Friend, Jesus came to us at Christmas, but that was actually in the fall of the year. It was the Feast of Tabernacles, the first Christmas. And so every Thanksgiving, remember Christmas. And God gave us Jesus at that time. The book of Luke is very clear on that. But Jesus came to us in the spring of Passover at Easter time as the gift of a lamb who carried our sins, as Isaiah 53 said, who carried our fears, our griefs, our woes, who carried our pain to the cross, who carried our psycho-personality identities in him, where he got it all cleaned up with God in him in the darkness of the cross so we could have acceptance on Sunday morning. Friend, the gospel is wrapped around the death of Christ on Friday, burying our sins on Sabbath and resting as he should. And then on Sunday, the acceptance and justification of those in Christ by the resurrection from the dead. The cross stands as the new tree of life where Jesus' death brings us life. A paradox on Calvary's hill. The darkness of the cross is the one spot where God's glory shines like brightness as the sweet lily of life on Easter morning where the smell of acceptance is felt and experienced in the joy of Christ as he rose from the dead. Moses asked of God, and I've asked it too at times, let me see your glory. You ever ask God to reveal himself to you? You just want to know him better? Moses asked that. He said, let me know the meaning of your name. Now, he knew that God's name and God's law is the same thing. You just spoke the Ten Commandments at Sinai, but what is the real essence of your name, your law? And God hid Moses on the mountain, the cleft of the rock, and that cleft of the rock was the preexistent Christ with God the Father on Mount Sinai. And there the Father and the Son were interacting with Moses. And there God the Father showed him his back. I don't know how he did it, but he did. And on the mountain, Moses saw God's back and God's son at the same time, who was the rock of safety, was hid in the cleft of the rock, the supernatural blue stone, sun, throne, imagery that we cannot grasp with cognitive reasoning, but is a revelation of the preexistent Christ. And there, the piercing glory of God was shielded by Christ. So Moses could see a little of it and hear God's pronouncement as to what his name means. Turn to Exodus 34, 5 to 9. Here it is. And the Lord descended in the clouds and stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord. So here is the meaning of God's name, his law, his character. Here it is. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, a God. You see, not two gods, one God. Yahweh, Yahweh, a God. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, Keeping steadfast love for thousands. Now the word thousands in Hebrew is the word elif, and it can mean clans or families. Keeping steadfast love for your family, for my family. And how does he do that? Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Does that help? Does that help? Boy, that helps, doesn't it? I can go through my family and I can tell you iniquity, transgression, and sin. And what does God do? He forgives it for families that love him, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Now, he doesn't do a way of justice to do this. 
He says, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, the children's children, third and fourth generation. He's talking about rebel clans here. He's not talking about people who are trying to do better. In ancient times, three and four generations would live in one tent. And if they were planning evil, all of them were. And that's what he's talking about here. I learned that from Leona Running, who was a doctoral student at Johns Hopkins, knew 12 languages, studied with William F. Albright, the greatest semeticist maybe to ever live. I took Hebrew from her, and she told me what that means, and I think she's a pretty good scholar and has insight there. Smartest professor at the seminary was a woman who knew Greek better than anybody in Hebrew. And she was on the autism spectrum, and that I could relate to her a little bit. I remember going into her office and I said, you know, I get this impression that your final exam is going to be hard. And she said, yeah. I said, because I think everyone who's trying to memorize is going to fail. She began to smile a little bit. I said, I need to understand how comparative semantics work and how syllable transitions occur from the Akkadian to the Hebrew to get it right. She said, yeah. So I sat there until I got it visualized. And I remember coming into that final exam and there was a bunch of Hebrew with no context. And there were words, and she wanted us to give what we call the Akkadian noun patterns for those words. And if you didn't understand how the language worked, you just struggled, and you were at her mercy to get a passing grade. One of the persons there, I'm reminiscing. I can't help it, you know. One of the persons said to me before as we were studying, I was asking so many questions from Mrs. Renning. I said, what about this? He was from Germany. He said, in Germany. And now, by the way, I like Germans. They're smart. I'm not putting Germany down. But it's in Germany, we learned to memorize everything. I said, well, that's good. I have German blood in me. I memorize too. But I got this impression that you better have concepts here or we're going to flunk. And so I remember as we came in, I saw that thing. And because I had spent that time with her in the secret place, getting a concept of how it worked, I didn't feel stressed. I got an A. I left early. My friend was sweating bullets because his memorization wouldn't work. You see, friend, when God reveals his law to us, we can know the facts about God. But if we don't get the concept as to who God is, we'll flunk in the end. It's okay to know the law, but if you don't know what the law means, you don't know who God is, what his law is like. When God showed Moses his glory, he proclaimed his character. He proclaimed the concept of who God is, his glory. And he revealed to Moses that God's mercy that forgives us is the first and most important quality in God's character. Bank on it in your life. We can't start the journey with God unless God's mercy and love are revealed in God's forgiveness for our sins. Not the person we're having trouble with. Our sins. God sent Jesus into this world to forgive you of every one of your sins and to heal you of every bit of its power in your life. I'm grateful for Jesus. What a gift. Friend, God has proclaimed the principle of justice on the mountain. But second to mercy, it is still there. God will not forgive any sin without atoning for that sin fair and square. No one squeaks into heaven because God ignored the seriousness of sin. In forgiving us, God did not justify our sin. He justifies us. He forgives the sinner. And in Christ, he has. As we come to him, we experience it, and he does. But he did not fail to judge the sin at the cross. No. If you want to know what final judgment is of sin and evil, at the end of the millennium, you go to the cross and you'll see it there. Darkness, rejection, isolation, loneliness, a God-forsakenness in Jesus. Every sin from Adam to the end was dealt with fair and square. 
Some people think that if God did that, he must be some evil meanie. God's not an evil meanie because he hates sin. God loves the sinner. And so God absorbed that into himself. He didn't punish Christ. He punished himself because God is Christ. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Can't separate that. God atoned for our sin within him so that we wouldn't have to have that psychologically destructive event at the end of the millennium and experience the fires of God's glory. Forgiving us, God did not justify our sin. Friend, he forgave the sinner, but he did not fail to judge the sin. So we can rightly enter the kingdom of God. At the cross, we see a lamb at Easter, and the lamb dies for all our sins. So we can go free into the field as little lambs bouncing about in joy for God. Free. That's an interesting word, huh? Free. That word free is hard to believe in this world. What does it mean to be free? Well, you don't get anything free. To be free, well, you get taxed every year. If you own property, the state taxes you for owning it. You really don't own it. Friend, at the cross, Jesus gets tied up and nailed to a tree with all our sins in him and on it. He's not free there in a way. He's bound to who we are. He's tied to who we are. It's nailed to him. And even though his arms reach from east to west and encircles the globe with love, he's still put on that tree. Friend, Easter is not about a bunny. Easter is about a lamb sweet as honey who gave himself, who God gave for us, atonement. When Moses came to understand that God is first a merciful God and then just also in atonement, Moses fell down and worshiped God. The golden calf thing was suddenly out of his mind. He realized that it was safe to go forward with God in spite of the awful sin of dancing around the golden calf, that God would get it done. He would meet his people and he would take them into the future. Verse 8. And Moses made haste to bow his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if now I have found favor in their sight, O Lord, let the Lord, I pray thee, go in the midst of us. He's talking to the Father. O Lord, the Father, let the Lord, Jesus, the angel of the Lord, the preexistent Christ. In fact, God had told Moses both in Exodus 23, 20, 21, that the angel of his presence would move and lead them, that his name is in him. So he's interacting with both the Father and the Son here. Oh Lord, let the Lord, I pray thee, go in the midst of us, although this is a stiff-necked people. Have you ever felt like you were a stiff-necked people? We are a stiff-necked people. You want some good psychological therapy? Repeat after me. We are a stiff-necked people. Come on. You know, Laodiceans have a hard time saying, we are a stiff-necked people. He says, although it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thy inheritance. Don't forget your stiff-necked people, but also call on the name of the Lord to forgive you. And from that day on, God and the people went together to the promised land. You want to go to the promised land? 
All right, God goes with you when you remit that you're stiff-necked people and you need the Lord. Who wants to go on the journey through the desert of life to the promised land without a loving God? Who wants to try and fix the messy stuff in life without a loving God? The truth of life is what we all do at times when life is hard and we stop because we fail. There are times we fail, so life stops. There are times when the wagon train stops and we need to fall on our knees and learn that God is good and we are not and that God's love is that which gets us home. Moses got it. For God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Wrap your heart around that. You can't do better than that. And God proclaimed to Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and faithfulness, love that doesn't go away when times are hard, love that hangs in there when we don't hang in with God. Twice God proclaimed to Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a God. Twice on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, some people who deny the Trinity, it's a trend in some quarters of our church today. It's not coming from here. It's not coming from our early pioneers, the ones that matter, who knew their Bible. It's coming from some tricky kind of people who can't take the whole Bible. And, of course, they get a following. They try to say the Holy Spirit isn't God. It's just Jesus hanging around. And Christ was created. So they go right back to Arianism, which split the church in the 4th century B.C. They don't even read history. And they ignore statements like in the Desire of Ages in Christ's life, unborrowed, underived, and they explain it away. All you got to do is read the first chapter of the Desire of Ages, and you'll know Jesus is God, and you move on. I mean, it starts by saying, God with us. She's not lying. It ends by saying, God with us. She's quoting scripture. She says, the infinite, the almighty, was in Christ. Well, there you go. He's God. But they do this stuff. The result is, when you diminish Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you diminish the cross. Because Christ is God in human form on that cross, crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalms 22.1. He's saying, My God the Father, my God the Holy Spirit, why are you forsaking me? Just like he was God, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, a God on the mountain. Now he's referring to the rest of God that is broken from him. The cross is the place where the Trinity was cracked. It's the place where the atonement ripped God apart. There is a brokenness in God for time and eternity because of our sins. God gave, and we have no idea how deep that gift is. So Moses got it. It was the most profound question ever asked because there's no good reason for God to give us up. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was no answer to that question, no good one. Don't tell me love is rational. Love is not rational. Love is its own reason to give and lavish on those who don't deserve love. God cannot quantify it. He can't explain it. He can only demonstrate it that it bankrupted him at the cross of Calvary. There is no math equation to explain why God gave. But the fact is that he did and all the truth that we really need to know to set us free is to look at John three sixteen and get it. He did it. God was in Christ, not counting our sins against us, forgiving us of all our sins. Paul makes that so clear. I've heard theologian types argue against the words of Paul. Boy, that's a bad way to do theology. God was in Christ, not counting our trespasses against us. That means in Jesus, 
Objectively, there was forgiveness on that cross. That's why Christ said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he did. The atonement occurred at the cross in that way. Also occurs in us as we accept it. But that's the big part, the objective part, the part that saves us is the cross. Now, we will study the plan of salvation for all eternity, and I don't claim to have a beat on it here altogether. We will ponder the question, why did God give and why did God love? And friend, we will never figure it out for all time and eternity to the core of it all. It will be the science of the redeemed, the reservoir of God's love, the deepest well that you can never get to the bottom of. And we will never get to the bottom of it in our eternal search for the truth about God because God is in motion, in movement. There's more to him than we can ever know. In God, truth, friend, is not an idea or a fact. Truth is God himself who is the well of living, loving water that runs deep and deeper for all eternity. St. Augustine once wrote that God loves each one of us as if there were only one. I agree with that. John 3.16 implies it, the whosoever. The cross is the hug of God. The outstretched arms reach across. God's children bear God's name, his law. It's written on their hearts by the gospel. And in the Bible, God's name and God's law are the same thing. When God declared his holy name at Sinai, he told Moses, I am who I am. Yahweh, the Lord, is my name. Unfortunately, we need to stop there for today's message. We'll conclude the message entitled Perfection and Acceptance the next time we get together. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.